This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best in your sports talk for Wednesday, May the 1st, May Day. It's DA. And let's start with the NBA postseason. Dan Devine from The Ringer covers the NBA. And he joined the Jeff Calkins show on 92.9 in Memphis. Now, Golden State takes game number two, and the Warriors travel to Houston up 2 0 in this series. Let's start here. Does that mean this series is done? The Rockets and Warriors already over? And then secondly, what happens after this season when when we all assume Kevin Durant is going to leave? Let's listen in. I mostly just believe that anything is possible in a world where the Warriors lost uh, with a 3-1 lead uh, in a final series. Like, I've... That made me reluctant to say anything is done before. Like, I don't know what the hell, you know, what can happen over the next couple of days. You know, like, maybe Steph Curry loses the whole hand. Maybe Kevin Durant, um, you know, catches the bubonic plague. Uh, you know, maybe James Harden winds up with a bionic eye that, that you know, makes him an even better shooter. You know, there, there's a lot of weird stuff that can happen over the course of the next few weeks and uh, or a couple of weeks. So, I don't know. I, I mean, like, what I will say is the early returns uh, on that series seem to indicate that uh, the, the Rockets don't have a great answer for Kevin Durant, which is not a shocker because no one has a great answer for Kevin Durant. And when the Warriors are able to leave everything aside and just sort of focus on dialing in defensively, and they actually do that for a few games at a time, uh, they're still capable of being the best team in the league. So that's not a promising recipe for Houston. But again, uh, barring bionic eyes and bubonic plagues, we'll see how things turn out. Uh, it is interesting. I mean, Kevin Durant has been unbelievably great. Um, if he leaves, then <laughs> you, you, you don't want to say anything's done. But that, then the Warriors are done. Aren't that, like, what, the, what did the Warriors without Kevin Durant become? Uh, it's, it's almost it's like the, the the Avengers joke where it's like take away the suit and what are you Tony Stark? It's like billionaire, exactly. threat, philanthropist, genius. Um, you know, they, they, they still have they still have Stephen Curry. Uh, they still have uh, in all likelihood they still have uh, Clay Thompson if he unless he decides in a very surprising turn to go elsewhere. Um, the, I mean the swing piece really is Draymond Green because. You know, he'll be you know, eligible for an, for an extension, and there's a question of what do you pay him, how much would you be willing to do it, how long would you be willing to go for a guy who is a player type who might decline pretty rapidly uh, as he you know, goes on the other side of 30 and such, such things like that. So um, I think the fact that you've already got Steph locked up and you will likely wind up with Clay locked up at least provides a, a ramp toward uh, whatever comes next. It's a healthy head start. 
but yeah, I mean the the, the next iteration will be would would be without KD. Well, you know, who knows if they would have Draymond defensively or not. Um, you know, this has to be if this isn't the if this isn't the end of the line for Iguodala and Sean Livingston, we got to be getting awful close to it. So those questions of who, of what the, the the rest of the roster looks like are massive and fascinating and it's not just like you say well we're not paying uh, Kevin Durant a max contract so we can spread that money around um, they're going to be capped out or uh, or you know well over the cap even if he leaves so uh, you know what the rest of that roster looks like is interesting but um, yeah I, think, I mean I, I've written about this I wrote about it about a month ago I think at that sort of when Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving were at the height of their public misery and grousing um, you know that idea of maybe this is how you sort of reboot the league by redistributing those those top talents it's not you know maybe an ideal way to do it because everybody's uh, unhappy where they are but um you know that's to me the 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 easiest way to sort of reset uh, reset things is kd goes elsewhere maybe Kyrie joins them and then all of a sudden you've got uh, a more even playing field but we'll see in the waning crazy seconds of game number one james harden thought he was fouled in the three-point attempt he did not get the whistle a frustrated Chris Paul tried to track down the ball. It went out of bounds and then made contact with an official at the end of the game. He was not suspended for game number two. It didn't matter. The Rockets still lost that game. But Tim Donaghy, former disgraced NBA official, joined 92-3, the fan in Cleveland, in the Ken Carmen show, and says, by the letter of the law, the Rockets should have been without CP3. Chris Paul been suspended? Absolutely. I've never seen in the history of watching NBA games that a player made contact with an official, and he wasn't suspended for that next game. Um, You know, if if they're up one game to none in the series, he's definitely suspended, but he wasn't, so they let him play. Because of the embarrassment of a lot of the calls that went against Houston in game one, I think that's why he wasn't suspended. Tim Donaghy, join us on the hotline. Uh, Do you think there will be some sort of a – course correction in this series uh, to try to make this a series, or do you think the NBA now with so many eyes, with with betting now uh, essentially legal, that the NBA can't put itself out there like that, which used to be the accusations against the league for so many years? You know, they always do that. They're going to put these referees in a room, and they're going to show them plays that they want them to concentrate on and call, and it always goes in favor of the team that's down in the series. It's been that way for many, many years. I don't see it changing. They don't go out and tell the referees to fix the games, but they certainly train and program them in these tape sessions to look for certain things, and it always puts a team at an advantage or a disadvantage. And I would think moving on to uh, game three, I think you're going to see Houston get the benefit of certain calls that uh, they want the referees to look for. We have Tim Donaghy joining us. Isn't that wrong? It shouldn't be... If you do things by random, isn't it more fair that way? Like you're saying is something that maybe they have the best of intentions or maybe I'm being naive. I know who I'm talking to right now, Tim. But it just seems wrong that you're telling me, well, they study tape and they do this and that, and then there's really reasons behind some of the decisions that they make, and basically you're telling me it's based on entertainment. Uh, No doubt about it. I think when I sat down with a lot of the FBI agents, they were in shock at a lot of things that I told them that went on behind the scenes and after they did their investigation, uh, they found a lot of it to be true, and they came back and they said basically uh, the NBA is a form of entertainment, uh, you know, and they can do whatever they want with the product, and they can tell the referees to go out and call whatever they want. It's their product, and they're allowed to do that. So, uh, you know, they do do it. I've been in meetings when they have done it, and the bottom line is if it, there's a sweep in a series, which we saw a lot in the, in the first round, and, and we didn't get the game 
you know, six uh, and seven. It costs the NBA a lot of money. So the bottom line is we're all in business to make money, and, and certainly the NBA is. So if they can tell the referees to look for certain things and put a team at an advantage or a disadvantage and, and make tens of millions of dollars per game, they're certainly going to continue to do it. All right, Tim Donaghy, oh, we appreciate your time. I have to ask you, any kind of smart-ass texts you received after game one, any reactions while you're, you know, at a, at a shopping mall after that game one? Because the first thought we had is we got to get Tim Donaghy on. We got to get him to talk about this. You know, it's, it's just comical. I get, you know, uh, you know, 25 emails a day about uh, refereeing and, and things that happen. And everybody just see, says the same thing. And I think you guys just mentioned it. You know, why aren't the rules enforced as they're written in the rule book? Why are there so many other parameters that come into play because of it? And, you know, the bottom line is the, they're told to, sometimes referee the names on the front and the back of the jerseys rather than the rules as they're written in the rule book. Yeah, I don't think it's a stretch to say that the NBA did not want to add fuel to the fire of game number one and the Rockets complaining that they got shafted by then also taking Chris Paul out of the Rockets' possession for game number two. I think that that's probably fair. I think the NBA under different circumstances, may have suspended Chris Paul if he was a lesser player, if, as Donaghy said, the Rockets had a 1-0 series lead. But with everything that happened at the end of game number one, instead of adding more to that raging fire, I think the NBA said, let's play it safe, and Chris Paul is not going to get suspended for this game. Must be nice to be a Warriors fan, huh? Right now, they're up 2-0 in the semifinals of the Western Conference playoffs. Is there anybody in the West that can beat them? If they get past the Rockets, is the winner of the Nuggets and the Blazers? Nobody believes that those two teams can take out the Warriors, especially with the way that Kevin Durant is playing. And then maybe they would get some conflict in the NBA Finals. But until then, here's Joe Lowe and Dibs on 95-7 of the game in San Francisco. Everybody predicting a short series against the Rockets. Does anyone at this point feel concerned that perhaps this thing could go six or even seven? No, I think five is the number. And even, well, had they won last night as I had thought that Houston would, then I could see it going six. I don't see Houston going back home and winning both. So if the Golden State comes home up 3-1 for a game five, they're not going to make the same mistake they did against the Clippers. They would close us out. So five games at the most. And I'll stay with five, Joe. I think Houston does get one. Five is a rock. Yeah, it, it's five. They, they 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 split when they go to Houston, and they'll probably lose. They'll lose this one, and they'll win that 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 one uh, coming back. So I, I think that it's five. The, the Warriors have gotten their groove back. They're playing a lot better defense, and it's good. It's yeah, great. I'm sticking with five as well. I think that the uh, I don't think the Rockets have the pesky bench that the Clippers have that actually made it a little more difficult for the Warriors. And I think that James Harden is going to get tired towards the end of this right now. And you see that already that their starters, as good as they are, they're not as good as the Warriors starters when they're at the top of their game. And I don't see the Warriors letting down. No one wants to predict sweep. No, no, no Roomba for me. No, no Roomba. No break out the Roombas. Why not? The reason I bring that up, last night I watched multiple opportunities in that game, multiple, where this team could have collapsed like it did against Los Angeles. We saw a couple big leads dwindle away, and then we saw them go to the sidelines, recalibrate, come back out, and extend the lead. They never let it get to the worst possible moment. Houston's good enough to squash your nine-point lead. The key is whether or not they're going to go into the positive. Houston didn't lead for a single second of that game last night. 
There were multiple opportunities where they brought it close, where they got back into it. But the Warriors, every single time, demonstrated the resilience that they did not show in games two and five of the Clippers series. Now, I'm with you if I have to bet it, if I have to stake my life on it, I'm probably not taking a sweep. But I don't think we should just rule that completely out of the equation. What's Houston's big adjustment going to be? That's what life's about, really. Life is about adjustments. You find out you're too fat, you're not healthy, go on a diet, eat better. You find out you're a little lethargic, you're not sleeping very well, start exercising. Life is about adjustments. The Warriors have made theirs, right? The Hamptons 5 is starting. Iguodala is playing at an incredible level. You're watching two guys bum rush Harden and then bail back. Third guy coming in to intercept. We saw with Clay Thompson last night to intercept these lob passes. Capella has been a non-factor in this series. Clint Capella was averaging 11 field goal attempts per game during the regular season. In the Jazz series, he was averaging 8 field goal attempts. In this series, 4.5. They've taken him out of the equation. Houston doesn't have... Five or six different punches. They don't throw a great hook, a great uppercut. They don't have a great jab. They can shoot the three in volume. They're not a great three-point shooting team. Make sure you understand that. They're not a great three-point shooting team. They just shoot a lot of them. They rank somewhere around 16th in three-point percentage during the regular season. And they have the lob game. If you limit the lob game and they don't shoot well from deep, it's over. You saw this last night. They had serious problems. If, If Golden State shows up... And I like him as four-point dogs in this game. If they're ready to go, I don't see why Houston's going to be able to beat them. I don't think Houston's best night is going to be good enough to overcome a good Warrior performance. I just don't see it. That's when you know you are spoiled by the hands of fate and by the sports gods and by the success that you have had. When arguably the second best team in the Western Conference all season long and your biggest threat to not make it back to the NBA Finals when you can say, even before you've played a road game of the series, ah, Warriors in five. Yeah, Warriors in five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Rockets will get game number four, but then that's it. Or Rockets will get game number three, but the Warriors will wrap it up after that. That means that you're getting kind of arrogant, kind of comfortable, and I suppose, understandably so, with all the success that the Warriors have had. But with that means, break up the Warriors so we can have some drama and fun again in the NBA playoffs. On the college basketball hardwood, one of the most iconic teams ever was Michigan's Fab Five, going to back-to-back national title games and Final Fours in 92 and 93. However, there's been a bad breakup, and Chris Webber has been ostracized, disengaged from his former program for a long time. But is there a thaw coming? Will we ever get a Fab Five reunion? That's the talk in Detroit. Here's 97-1, the ticket. With Jamie and Stoney. I don't blame Jalen for answering a question. No. But he did say that a reunion and a reconciliation and a Fab Five back to Michigan, et cetera, et cetera. I forget his exact phrase, but it was something along the lines of, it might be sooner than you think. Yeah. Which would make you think that he has some inside information, which makes you think that maybe he and Chris uh, have broken the ice a little bit. Maybe. Yeah. That'd be cool, but you know what? At this point, I mean, if it does happen and they make a big deal about it, which I'm sure they would, you know, would they put up the banners again? I know. I mean, it would be it would be fun for you know a day. <laughs> I mean, yes, we would try to interview them before the event. No, I, I get that. You know, we'd be part of it as well. It'd be nice to see. It's gonna, it's so stupid if you think about it.
it's 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 just been too long. Yeah, it's just too too much time has passed. We've talked about it so many times. There have been so many opportunities for to, for Chris to come clean, so on and so forth. And it's just now it's just to the point where it's just an uh, an over. It's like when you put like a, a nice piece of steak in the freezer. And then you break it out and you realize it's been in the freezer too long. Yes. It's grown icicles on it. You know, defrosting it wouldn't, it's just, it's, it's wasted. It right. needs to be thrown away. Or given to the dog. I mean, do I like the resolution of events? I'm a big fan of resolution and I hope it happens, but I don't care anymore. You know what I mean? It's just too much time has passed. I agree. So I, I don't know how, how Michigan fans feel about it. People, particularly people who were there then. I mean, I, the fab five happened when I was in college and so, so let me ask you a question. Going, a lot to, of fa- a lot going, of, going yeah. to a rival Big Ten school, did you like the Fab Five or hate no, them? No, hated the Fab Five. Okay. I mean, the Fab Five were what they were. Congratulations. They were a perfect villain. Um, but then again, you know, nobody really liked Duke either. So it was like evil versus evil. But, you know, no, I rooted against the Fab Five. I'll be honest. Um, but, you know, part of that was you always rooted against Michigan if you're in the Big Ten, too. I mean, it was very easy to dislike Michigan and Ohio State because they were always the heavies. Um but at the same time, I have a lot of contemporaries who were at Michigan or Michigan State during that time. And so the Fab Five was a big thing in their lives. They were so much fun to yeah, watch, Well, they were cover, in school at the same time. And so they want to see the final paragraph written about the story. So they want resolution. That's I totally understand that. But at this point, I mean, I even, I think a couple weeks ago when we were on the radio, I didn't I ask you the question? Oh, isn't Chris Weber going to be a captain this fall for Michigan? You're like, uh, no, that was last fall. And I'm yes. Like, oh, right. That's right. He did come back already. That tells you how big of an impact that even made. And nothing because there was no basketball. You know, Beeline wasn't there. And there was no. It was just, you know, for the football game. Right. But it was also just like it didn't make an impact. He didn't come clean. He didn't apologize. They didn't apologize. It's just it's it's whatever. I, I hope they settle it, but I hope it's almost like I wish they would settle it behind closed doors and then let us know. It's like, by the way, we're all good. But what do they have to do to settle it? Does he have, just have to come back or all that? Or does he have to sit there and say, yeah, hey, I screwed up? It depends on who you ask. I think there are some Michigan fans where if they did a ceremony at Chrysler and they brought back the Fab Five and they all stood there at the center of the court and took introduced the, them one by one. one by one. And if maybe Fisher came back and they took the applause, I think it would be a neat moment inside that building. The fact that Beeline is behind it. I like that comparison about an old steak left in the freezer. It's like when you put like a, a nice piece of steak in the freezer and then you break it out and you realize it's been in the freezer too long. Yes. It's grown icicles on it. You know, defrosting it wouldn't, it's just, it's, it's wasted. It right. needs to be thrown away. Or given to the dog. Once upon a time, he couldn't wait for it. But now with all the frost all over it, you just see that thing's going to be leathery and tough and not all that enjoyable anymore. I think. That's probably true. There are, I'm sure, plenty of Wolverines fans that really do want to see this get a nice, tidy bow put on it. But ultimately, we're, what, 25 years removed from these guys playing college hoops. I'm not sure that a feel-good reunion is anything that anybody is just dying to happen as we speak right now. But it would be nice if we finally got it. In baseball... One of the stories of the early part of the season is Addison Russell, who's been suspended because of domestic violence. Now, supposedly, the Chicago Cubs have been trying to shame local media into allowing Addison Russell to just be free instead of having to answer all of these crushing questions about domestic violence in his past. So does this mean that Addison Russell has more problems than he's worth? Here's Bernstein and McKnight on the score in Chicago. 
players deserve second chances. Human beings, people deserve second chances. I just don't know why the second chance had to come from the Cubs. By moving him, by releasing him, by trading him. And I understand there are probably other options. They're probably a matter of of making sure that the best situation is reached for his ex-wife, for his children, for himself, maybe by keeping some sort of continuity around. But right now, what you have are a whole bunch of problems knocking on the doorstep. Theo mentioned a number of times yesterday. And there, there's that, baseball problems and optics problems. Oh, absolutely. And it's, to me, it's the amount of landmines that he creates that this story creates. The number of opportunities for things that you just don't need right now. You've, you've got one of the smarter front offices and one of the smarter PR operations in baseball. And they are not immune to stepping in things on their way to trying to make sure that this situation goes as best as it can for those hurt by Addison Russell and those that Addison Russell and those trying to help him on his way. It's 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 a very tough spot. And and right now what you're what you're on the verge of is is potentially the best case scenario is that he manages his his rehabilitation and his baseball rehabilitation over the next little bit of time, you bring him back to a team and insert him onto a squad that doesn't need a light-hitting glove shortstop. That's the best-case scenario. Just let him rip it up in AAA and show... Build his value and let somebody else come take this guy and give him his second chance that he can have as long as he goes through the steps that he needs to go through. Theo's called it every day. Jed has too, and Jed's going to be on uh, with Mac and Parkins tomorrow. Every day, he's called it a conditional return, that he's got to meet these certain criteria before he's able to come back to a major league ball club. That in and of itself is is fraught with a whole lot of issues on the way there. This just isn't a situation that they need to be in right now. They've done their due diligence. They've done, as best they could, the right thing for Russell and his family. That's admirable. But I don't need this guy on the Cubs. You know, the funny thing is that the Chicago Cubs, when they won the World Series a couple of years ago, it seemed like it was all so much so soon and that the Chicago Cubs would be playing in the deep into the playoffs and into the World Series and stacking titles because that was inevitable. And with all the young talent they had groomed and Addison Russell being part of that, it just seemed like they were going to be a power broker for years to come. That really hasn't happened. So I wonder... There's some thoughts that in Chicago this could be the end of Joe Madden, that perhaps Theo Epstein is getting a little antsy to take advantage of this window that they have, that maybe keeping steady with Addison Russell is more about ignoring the problems and the baggage he brings to the table and more about making sure that they take advantage of this window now because they're not playing for next year or beyond. And finally, the city of Boston has had amazing success, obviously. They're Right now, the Super Bowl champions, the World Series champions, and have two teams in the second round of the playoffs, the Boston Bruins and the Boston Celtics. However, last night, both the Celtics and the Bruins lost. And you know that it's a tough night when you have to talk about losses in Boston because that doesn't happen all that often in the playoffs. And with the Bruins losing last night, here's Mutt and Callahan on WEEI in Boston it's just always good listening to Boston Sports Talk host fight. 
Tell me, Mark, what does stealing early. a game mean to you? Stealing a game means that both teams play at their highest level and the goaltender is the difference. In okay. my mind, the goaltender that has was nothing really, to do with highest Bobrovsky level. Bobrovsky was excellent last night. But the Bruins' top line did little to nothing throughout much which, of that game. Which they pretty which much I done would give, the entire playoffs. But I would give credit to uh, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets because they've done an excellent job at shutting down that line in this series. When that line is invisible as they were, I can't sit here and okay, wave my hands and say, well, the Bruins played the Bru- great. Bruins had, but okay, they had 37 shots. Time. They had uh, 13 scoring chances. I just made that up. Is that all right? Okay, what did Columbus have? Okay, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Did, did Bobrovsky... All right. Uh, high danger chances were 10-6 in favor of Columbus. I don't even know what that high danger. There's a high danger chance. Yeah, they, danger? They missed point high blank danger. twice. The hockey twice. Geek analytic term. Danger. <laughs> yeah. Total scoring chances were 24-22 Columbus. That's okay. Not true. So they more, okay. I kept my own. Oh, that's per natural So they had more, more, more scoring chances, more danger chances, but danger. somehow Bobrovsky scored the game. You guys he, he, don't watch hockey. You're, you're not as nuanced as oh, I am. Curtis. That guy did a great. Drink it again. Yeah, sure. Whatever. You, Mutt, Mutt. you watch that game, so you don't stupid. think Bobrovsky was again, great? Six ones. He was great, but he didn't steal a game, Jerry. This is it so was two stupid. to one, right? This is so dumb. It was a one goal game. Wa- you watch the game. One goal is a spectacular. Where a team wins two to one in a good game, and it's, it's always 30. Oh, that's he stole the, the game. He stole the game. Saves, How about the, 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 the Columbus that's Blue Jackets? Definition of stealing a game. I've been there about a little foggy the next morning. You don't recall exactly. There's nothing foggy about the game. You were at Hillary Clinton with Alex Reamer doing God. God knows what. I watched the game, <sighs> took my notes front and center. Little Dino. And there's it was yes. post day for the Derby, Jerry. He was What's the big day? What's the day you put the most time in studying the uh, the horses? Yeah, who's Derby day is today. Today, today, today. Big okay, day. what do you call that? Study day? Work day. Work day. It's a work day. So today, when everyone else is reading about the Bruins and Celtics yeah, a lot and of, Red Sox. Oh, you're doing a lot of Bruins you, reading? Yeah. Jerry, you did a lot of Bruins and Celtics reading I this did. afternoon. This afternoon. You didn't even know about Martian's cheap shot. Nobody I did. Po- yes, they I did. did. Mark Kalman uh, did. Yeah. did. I did Mike before Kalman. I went to bed last night. I mean, imagine what that talent would be like if there wasn't a World Series championship and it, there wasn't a dynasty with the New England Patriots and going to all of these Super Bowls and winning a championship yet again. Imagine if the Bruins and the Celtics didn't make the playoffs. They were also Rands and non-playoff teams, not playoff contenders like so many other cities have to deal with. Then things would really, really be angst-ridden in Boston. I mean, this is a city with two championships and looking for two more, and they're still at each other's throats. Tough times. Yep, that'll do it. It's the best of your sports talk for Wednesday, May the 1st. This is Around the Dial. We'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 